Hey, good morning everyone. Happy Sunday from the back deck at the Bundy house. This is a little bit different for us, but last night I recorded my sermon and only got about 12 minutes of it. So I'm reshooting it here from the back deck this morning so I can send it to Justin to get uploaded for YouTube. I love you all and miss you all. And today's video is going to be just a little bit shorter than some of our other sermons because I've got some reading for you to do if you would like to do this at home uh, before you listen to the rest of the message. Four Old Testament scriptures that are foundational for Romans chapter 10. And today our lesson is from Romans 10. That's where uh, we'll be reading from and talking about what Paul is writing there. So I've pulled these four scriptures out for you to go ahead and read ahead of time. If you'd like to give these as assignments to different people uh, that you're worshiping with or just take some time yourself with your cup of coffee or your tea and enjoy these scriptures just soak them in for a minute think about what they might mean and what you would have thought they meant in their original context and then we'll see how Paul uses them here's the scriptures for you the first one is from Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5 Leviticus 18 5 the second one is from Deuteronomy 30, 12 to 14. So those are both from the Torah, from the Pentateuch, and the law. Leviticus 18, 5, Deuteronomy 30, 12 to 14. Now I've got two more, and these are both from the prophets. Isaiah 28, 16, and Joel 2, 32. Isaiah 28, 16, and Joel 2, 32. So, you've got two from the Torah and two from the prophets. And just as a reminder, Jesus, after his resurrection, taught his disciples that all the law and the prophets were about him. And he showed them, he taught them from all of the scriptures that were about himself, how they could have seen the Messiah coming, and how they could have expected what God was going to do in Israel. So go ahead and take a little pause and read those with each other and just enjoy them and then come on back and, uh, and join me here. Okay, uh, welcome back. I hope that the thunderstorm going on around me doesn't disturb you too much and isn't too loud. Um, would you pray with me for a moment? Our Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your plan and of your love and of your grace and your mercy towards us and the free gifts that you have given us, the free gift of salvation that you have given us. And today we simply enjoy that and we say thank you. Today we rest in confidence and in hope that you have shown us mercy and love and so we know that our future is secure. No matter what might happen to us in life, we know that you will Give us what we need to get through the day through your Holy Spirit and that one day you'll resurrect us into new life with you and we'll enjoy your new creation and we look forward to that. We're so thankful for your mercy. The depths and the riches of your wisdom and knowledge, O oh God. How unsearchable are your judgments. Your paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known your mind, Lord? Who has ever been your counselor? Who has ever given anything to you, God, that you should repay him? From you and through you and to you are all things. To you be the glory forever and ever, world without end. Amen. Okay, church, so today we're in Romans chapter 10. 
And we've been, uh, for the last couple of weeks now, starting to work our way through Romans 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And we'll be doing this for the next few weeks, but we're taking it at a pretty quick pace. We're not reading every single verse, uh, although you're welcome to read and reread and reread it over and over at home as this is soaking in for you. And uh, that's what I'm doing, is I'm rereading these passages every week so that it continues to soak in for me. And today, we're in Romans 10, 5 to 15. That's our core reading for today, which has really two big ideas in it. One is that we are saved by grace, through God's grace, that it's not something we earned. And let me just say from the outset here, that does not mean that we don't obey God. Paul will say in Romans 1 and Romans 15, the whole goal of this letter and the whole goal of his ministry is to win the obedience that comes by faith from the Gentiles. He wants to win them over to obedience to God through their faith. So obedience is still in the trajectory or the view of where we're trying to go. The question is, what engine are we running with? Are we trying to do it by sheer human effort and earn something? Or are we relying on the free gift of God that he gives us generously in Jesus Christ? And that's what the first big idea in Romans 5 to 15, Romans 10, 5 to 15 is about, is about that sheer gift. And Paul is going to mine the Old Testament scriptures to show that this was always part of the plan and that it was actually available to the Jews to rely on the grace of God and now to Gentiles too. And another idea in this reading is that when we are transformed by this grace gift of God, we become people with very good news to share. You might even say that the evangelism that we do is really only good news if it's based on the grace of Jesus. Any other kind of conversion or teaching we do, morality teaching, trying to teach people about God or who God is, if it's not based on knowing His grace and experiencing His grace, it's not going to come across as good news. But when we live in His grace, it is powerful, powerful good news for everyone who hears it. So let's unpack these scriptures and see those two ideas, and then we'll, we'll make one or two more uh, little applications for today, and uh, then you can uh, go, go back about your day and continue thinking about all these things. So I'm actually going to start in Romans 9, verse 30, and I'm going to back up a little bit um, to help us with our context. So Roman 9, uh, Romans 9, verse 30 says, What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that's by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. And why not? This is Paul's key question in this section. Why did Israel struggle? And why do we struggle when we try to be right, to be right with God, or to be more right than other people, or just to live a good life? Why do we struggle with that? Why is it so hard for us? Paul says, because they pursued it, not by faith, but as if it were by works. It's important to hear that Paul doesn't say the law itself was at fault. It's not that the law was a works-based law. It's that people pursued it as if it was by works, as if it was by works. And so he says, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Now the stumbling stone, what is that? Well, it's a foundation stone. Paul takes this quote from Isaiah 28, this prophet, and this will come up twice in today's reading, Isaiah 28, he says, as it's written, the prophet Isaiah, I lay in Zion, that's the 
poetic name for Jerusalem. I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. <clears throat> so Paul pictures this stone that's like the foundation of a building that's above ground where it can be seen. And some people come along walking, maybe in the dark, and they trip and they fall over that stone. But for others, it becomes the foundation that holds them up and holds up the whole building. The whole project is held up by this foundation stone. So for Paul, the foundation is an understanding of the grace of God. And that is best shown in Jesus. Jesus is a person of grace who lives by it, who extends it to others, and who constantly receives it from his Father. So you could say the foundation stone, of course, is Jesus Christ, but it's also what Jesus stands for. Faith and faithfulness and the grace gift of God. So Paul will continue into, into chapter 10 and say, My heart's desire in prayer to God is for Israel that they would be saved. I can testify that they're zealous for God. They want to obey Him. Their zeal is not based on knowledge, though. Since they didn't come to know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So again, Paul summarizes, what they need is God's gift, God's righteousness, not their own. And this is what you and I need too. Not a record of our good behavior that is evidence to God that we're good enough. Uh, not moral superiority and certainly not grandstanding. Not uh, just quoting things on Facebook that make us look good or morally superior not tweeting things that make us look morally superior. We need genuine gift of God righteousness that is something that can only come from him, not from my own effort. So how are we going to get it? Well, Paul will say in Romans 10:4, Christ then is the end of the law so that there can be righteousness for everyone who believes. So this is an important verse. And this leads into today's reading. Christ is the end of the law. Not that Christ ends uh, all of the teaching of the law, but that Christ is its goal, that he is its end, its fulfillment. Christ is what the law was trying to produce. A person who lives a righteous life, but not by their own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace gift of God. So Jesus is the perfect example of what the law wanted to make, which is a human being that lives full of grace, who who can sit and, and gracefully enjoy meals with sinners and saints, who can talk to them about God and show them uh, God's teaching without causing people to feel judged or slammed or scorned, but who can also stand up against judgmentalism and against people who are relying on their own righteousness and putting heavy loads on others and trying to make other people carry the loads of their own effort and their own work. Jesus is this perfect embodiment of what the law was trying to produce. So now Paul will turn to those four scriptures that I gave you to read, and he will use them to make the case that we are to live by grace, the grace of Jesus, who is the goal of the law. So let's move through verses 5 through 15 just really quick together, and I think you'll see how it all fits together. So Romans 10.5, Paul is making the case that we need to trust the foundation stone of Jesus and his grace. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that's by the law. This is the Leviticus quote. The man who does these things will live by them. That is one idea in the law, in the Torah. One idea is that the man who obeys these things will live by them. 
And so if you could perfectly live and obey the law, you would have life because you would live by perfectly keeping God's law. The problem that we know, and Paul's already dealt with in Romans, is that nobody keeps it. Nobody can keep it. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is one truth in the law, that by keeping it, you could live or you can live, but it's one that no one is able to accomplish. So then Paul moves to another quote from the same law, from the Torah, from the book of Deuteronomy. But the righteousness that comes through faith says, and now he quotes from Deuteronomy 30, 12 to 14. Let me read uh, the version in Romans. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? The heavens are coming right to us this morning. I don't know if you can hear it, but this thunder is rumbling all around me. Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. Now, this is a pretty loose quotation by Paul from Deuteronomy. He takes the main idea from Deuteronomy, but he shifts it a little bit for his own purpose here. And he does this because he's making the point that in Deuteronomy, grace is the foundation. Grace is the foundation stone. So what does it say in Deuteronomy? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. And now Paul will translate that or interpret it to say, that is the word of faith that we're proclaiming. So Paul takes this Deuteronomy reference and he says, you've got Leviticus that says obey the law, but you've got Deuteronomy that says it's not too hard. Who can go to heaven? Who can go across the sea? That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Who can go down into the, the pit, the abyss, the grave? as if you were going to bring Christ up. No one can do this. Christ has come to you. He's on your lips. He's in your heart. The word you speak with your mouth, what you believe in your heart, is, is where Christ is and, and how you identify with Christ. He is here in your confession. He is here in the loyalty of your heart. So Paul's conclusions then will be in verse 9 and 10, where he says, so if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. These are beautiful conclusions to Paul mining the law and seeing that there's two options there. One is pure obedience on effort that no one can do. The second one is relying that God has come near to us and that he has come near to us now, Paul will say, in the best and greatest and fullest way in Jesus Christ, who was the goal of the law the whole time. Here he is, he's near you. Will you believe in him? Will you confess his name? Will you believe in him from your heart? And you might ask, does this rule out uh, that we are baptized? Well, well, no, you should be baptized. Paul says that in Romans 6. He assumes all these people reading the letter are baptized. Should we take the Lord's Supper? Yes, take the Lord's Supper. Should we learn to live pure lives and holy lives and obey God and love others and do acts of service? Of course, all of these things are still the goal that we're headed towards, which is obedience that comes by faith. But the foundation, the rock where this all begins is not by our effort and not by us doing things a right way. We cannot do anything a right enough way to earn God's love, or his salvation, it's a pure gift that we receive. And then we live into it in obedience and faithfulness. Here's one example of how we begin to live into it in obedience and faithfulness. 
Paul will quote two of the prophets here. Uh, he'll quote two of the prophets, one of them in verse uh, 11, and then one of them in verse 13. This is Isaiah and Joel. And he will say, as the scripture says, quoting Isaiah, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then he'll quote Joel, verse 13, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. These are two quotes from the prophets that show we are throwing ourselves on the mercy of God, throwing ourselves on his mercy. We have nothing to bring, nothing to offer. We're just asking him to come through. And then Paul has this beautiful little statement in the middle in verse 12. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses those who call on him. So Paul's little conclusion, one of his takeaways, an application for you today, is it doesn't matter what people group you come from, what background you come from, what approach you've had before. God richly loves and blesses all who call on his name as a gift of grace. A second conclusion, this transforms the way we share Jesus. Verses 14 and 15 say, uh, in, in a bunch of questions that Paul gives, how can people believe though? How can they believe How can they call on one they've not believed in? How can they believe in one they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then verse 15, how can they preach unless they're sent? So Paul uses these rhetorical questions to say, we've got to go out there and share this with people and tell them. But the question is, what are we telling them? Are we giving them good news? Are we telling them God accepts everyone on the basis of grace if they trust in Jesus with their mouth and their heart and they begin to live into a life of loyalty to Jesus? Or are we teaching them things that they could never live up to? Are we offering them standards that they will always feel guilty about? This good news preaching is transformative. Paul says in verse 15, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, you know, I would just love for us as as the Church of Christ in Bentonville, to think about how this impacts our evangelism and our witness and even the way we talk about our faith to our spouses and our children and our friends. Is grace the foundation of your salvation? Is it the foundation of the reason that you obey Jesus, the reason that you um, continue to try to become holy as God is holy? Is your foundation effort or is it grace? Because effort is wonderful if it's founded on grace. But effort founded on effort, that's a crumbling building. That's sand on the seashore. That's a stumbling block kind of faith. And it will end up disappointing us. Now in Romans 11.32, Paul will say that we've all failed for a reason. We've all been broken and, and sinned for a reason. And the reason is simple. God has bound all men to disobedience so that he might have mercy on them all. Why have we failed? Why have we sinned and fallen short of God's glory? So that God can show us grace. And in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul will say, all of your obedience then, is it was with grace in view. 12.1, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. That's God's gift of grace, God's mercy. Offer yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the pattern of this world? Earning things. Building a life for yourself. Uh, being better or, or having greater accomplishments than others. Uh, growing through work. And Paul will say, let's be transformed through the renewing of our minds. Let's have grace in view today so that it will transform 
all of our effort and all of our obedience to be graceful obedience. Okay, church, we love you. We miss you. I sure hope this recording has worked better than the one I did last night. Uh, And if it has, then you'll be watching it. So our prayers are with you. Love you all and hope to see you soon.